Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Well, hey, good morning, Frontline. What a powerful morning already, huh? Man, that was just fun uh, just to experience that with you. Uh, One of my favorite things just as a pastor here and just being on staff uh, is worshiping like that. And then I I stop singing for a second just to hear your voices. Uh, I I think it just makes God so happy when we just worship him from the deepest place of our hearts. So thank you for joining with us this morning just to worship. My name's David. If you don't know who I am, uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Frontline. And you picked an awesome day to come if you're here for the very first time, uh, because we're actually wrapping up a series that we've been in all summer long. It's called Kingdom Culture. And so today we're going to talk about the topic of faith. And uh, the reason we're going to talk about faith is because there's a variety of different things happening, uh, not even just here in the life of our church, but just in our world that really forces you to decide, what am I going to put my faith in? Push come to shove. What is it that I'm going to leverage everything for? Or or I'm going to really, really die on the hill of putting my faith in whatever it is that you decide. So I stumbled on this story uh, in the last couple of weeks. It's really interesting. Uh, You guys have heard about AI, right? So artificial intelligence. Uh, It's really piqued my interest. I think it's fun to learn about it. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's self-driving cars or how they're using AI to get to the moon or to Mars or whatever. If you look at AI and technology or computers or healthcare, but this one was a new one that I hadn't seen. Uh, This one was an AI lawyer. So apparently uh, somebody got pulled over. They were issued a speeding ticket. And this guy, you know, guy after my own heart says, I'm going to fight that, you know, even though I'm guilty, I'm going to fight that. And so I'm going to go to court. And so this company that's developing this AI lawyer picked this guy and he goes, okay, you have a speeding charge. What we want to do is we want to have an experiment. So we're going to use this loophole in the court system that allows you to put an AirPod in, and then you can put your phone on the desk and we're going to run this algorithm or this program that here's the arguments in court. And then we're going to tell you, or the AI, is going to tell you what you need to say to the judge. How can that go wrong? I mean, right? Like I'm so, you got to remember, I talked about AI like a couple months ago and this was the same AI that said, you know, what's the couple months after, you know, February. And so it goes January, February, Maruary, Aprilary, Mayuary. So I, here's just show of hands, right? I'm just curious. This just makes me laugh. How many of you, if you got a speeding charge and you were in court, would take a risk and let AI defend you? How many of you are gutsy like that? Is there anybody in the room that would go, I'd give it a shot. I just want to see what happens. No what? There's got to be somebody in here. I would give it a shot, okay? There's got to be somebody. All right, so I was assuming there was going to be more people that raised their hands. So the following question is going to not make as much sense. So thanks for nothing. <laughs> right? Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. I'll pay you later. Um, I mean, here, here's the question. Like, if you would go, no, I'm not. Here's why, okay? It's because a bunch of you are Dutch people. That's why. You're going, No. I'm not risking that. I work for every penny. No way. Here's the deal. Okay. For this guy, the company said, we'll pay any fines that are incurred if you don't win. Right? How many of you would try it then? Oh, what do you know? Everybody shows up to play. Okay. 
Well, here's the thing, right? How many of you would do that or would risk it if you were accused of something more serious, right? So if you're facing a charge for assault, you know, would you, would you risk it, right? Probably none of you, I'm sure. You know, armed robbery, no. If you were facing life in prison, probably not, right? The question that's underlying that all of you answered, I thought you would go a little bit farther, but the question that you really have to answer is this, how much faith do I have in AI? Or how much faith do I have in technology to get me out of this predicament? That's the question that you have to ask. You have to answer that question all the time. How much faith do I have in AI, technology, my boss, the economy, my health, doctors, whatever it is, you have to decide all the time how much faith do you actually have to make a decision. So I'm gonna ask you, every single one of you in this place, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in the room, I'm gonna ask you to make a decision today about where do you actually place your ultimate faith? Where, where do you actually place it when push comes to shove? Is it something out there or is it something in here? If we're really honest, most of us put our ultimate faith and our ultimate hope and our ultimate trust in me, in ourselves, in our ability to decide. And what we're gonna see as we read today, there's actually a different alternative that is presented to us that is a way better deal. And we'll get to that in a second. So like I said, it's the, the series we're in right now, it's called Kingdom Culture. And it looks at, this whole series has looked at what are the distinctives of the kingdom of God that people in the kingdom of God have. So Jesus used parables and stories and short stories to connect with an audience to go, if you want to understand the kingdom of God, here's a story. And this is the one that Jesus actually tells today that we're focused on today. So it's in Matthew 13, verse 31. It says, he told them another parable talking about Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all seeds. Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. This is the whole parable. Jesus tells this whole thing. And he basically says the kingdom of God is like this seed. Now, if you don't know what a mustard seed is, if you're not a gardener, if you don't have a green thumb like me, this is it. You see how small that is? That's a finger. The mustard seed is so small, it's so tiny. What most of us would say is it's so insignificant, that seed will do nothing. I mean, you could shoot it at somebody, it doesn't do anything. You could plant it somewhere, you're not gonna know it's there for a long time. That mustard seed is so small, the temptation for all of us is to say that is insignificant. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like that. So, I mean, imagine this, right? If, if I took a bunch of mustard seeds, we went outside on the sidewalk, and if I sprinkled all those seeds on the sidewalk, what is going to happen? Does the sidewalk win or do the seeds win? The sidewalk. It's solid. It's sturdy. You can't penetrate it. I mean, you could throw that seed as hard as you want. What's going to break? The seed's going to break, right? But Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is different. It's like a, a mustard seed that is planted, not just placed somewhere, it's like a seed that is planted. Now, when, when it grows, what he's saying is this type of seed, this type of mustard seed, it, it actually grows and it overtakes everything, everything in its path. So you could plant the seed on top of the sidewalk and it does nothing, but you could plant it next to the sidewalk and you give it enough time and eventually the sidewalk will be undone by this tree. This is what Jesus is saying. He's looking at his disciples saying, do not underestimate my kingdom. When someone puts their faith in me, their hope in me, their trust in me, at the beginning you may look and say, what are you doing? 
That doesn't make any sense. That's not going anywhere. I'm not willing to risk that or trust that. But what he's saying is over time, what you will see is that seed will grow. And it won't just grow inside of you. It will grow inside of a community and inside of a state and a nation and a world. That seed will grow. And the the tree that Jesus talks about, most mustard seeds would not turn into a tree. They would turn into large bushes. And Jesus uses the analogy of a tree because his disciples would have understood Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. He's saying the kingdom of God is like a tree that just continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and get bigger and bigger and stronger. And so much so that like you, you can cut down the tree, but the roots exist. I, I have a tree in my yard that I, I cut down. It was really inconveniently located. It was right next to my shed. And so I cut it down and that thing keeps growing back and growing back and growing back. Jesus is saying this is like the kingdom of God starts with a tiny little seed, but when that seed is planted, when that seed grows, it becomes a force that is to be reckoned with. So here's the deal. Four chapters later, there's a story that takes place. Um, it's a real, real life story, right? Real situation. A dad brings his son to Jesus. And the man that brings his son is desperate, right? If you have kids, like, you, you know, there, there's a different type of desperation that you click into for the sake of your children. So, so this man brings his son to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, I need help. I need help right now. Like, like my son is having seizures and he's convulsing repeatedly. Anytime there's a fire, he throws himself into the fire. Or anytime there's a lake or a pond or a pool or a body of water, he throws himself into it and he's convulsing. Jesus, I'm afraid he's going to die. He keeps getting hurt. He keeps getting wounded. And then he says this, and I brought him to your disciples to heal him and they couldn't. Jesus, can you please heal him? And it says, Jesus lays his hand on the boy and he casts out the demon. He restores the boy. The boy comes back into his right mind and he's healed and he's given back to his dad. Well, here's what happens with Jesus' disciples because Jesus had sent them out before and they had had success in healing people and casting out demons. So here's what the disciples come to Jesus and they say, we're confused. We could do it before. Why couldn't we do it this time, and here's what Jesus actually says. He replied, because you have so little, say that word with me, faith. Jesus says, because you have so little faith, that's why you couldn't heal the boy. Now, before we remove this, here's what I want to tell you, okay? Faith is a funny word. We define it in a variety of different ways. And in the Bible, the word faith is often translated as belief. So most of us would probably look at this and go, they just didn't believe hard enough, or they didn't believe enough, or they didn't believe to the level that was needed for them to to do it. But it actually isn't true. That's not a great definition. And to give you an idea, the word faith is used over 270 times in the New Testament. And then a derivative of the word faith is used another 160 times whether it's New Testament or the whole Bible, I don't remember. It's used a lot. The word faith is used a lot. So here's the deal. A better translation of this word, especially for the context of today, is not belief. It is actually trust. Watch how different this reads, okay? He replied, because you have so little trust. Truly, I tell you, if you have not even just faith, but trust as small as a mustard seed. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So if you're like me, you go, okay, that cleared up the first part, but then the second part, it seems like Jesus contradicts himself. Anybody else confused? You were honest about being Dutch and not trusting earlier, so 
Anybody else confused in the room or was it just me? I'll tell, I'll assume that some of you are confused because here's what Jesus says, right? You don't have enough faith, but if you have faith as, as big as this right here, let's put the mustard seed up again. If you have faith that big, you can move a mountain. I don't even think Jesus was being metaphorical. I think Jesus was in a setting where he looked at mountains all the time. And he said, if you have faith this size, you could move that mountain over there but you don't have enough. Is Jesus just insulting them? Is he indicting them for, you didn't have enough faith. You didn't try hard enough. You didn't believe hard enough. Here, as I studied this, I, there was a significant realization that came out that is so important for every one of us, every one of us in this room, every one of us watching online, so important to get. The word that Jesus used is this word pistuo. That's what it actually is in Greek. And Jesus uses a version of this word. So Greek is really interesting. You can add a lot of prefixes and suffixes to the word to tailor the word exactly how it is that needs to be understood. And Jesus' disciples would have understood it, but we lose some of it when we translate it to English. So here's, here's the, the cool part about this word. Jesus used this version of the word only five times in the New Testament. He used it only five times, and every single time, here's what Jesus used that word for. He was rebuking the problem for failing to hear his voice. Did you catch that? Every time Jesus used it, he would use it in a rebuke or a correction with his disciples to say, the problem that you have around faith was not that you didn't believe hard enough or, or trust hard enough. The, the problem that you had with faith is your faith was in yourself rather than in me. That was the coaching Jesus gave to his disciples. That reads totally different. So Jesus says, here's the problem. Your faith is so small. Why? Because you put it in yourself. But if you have faith or trust in me, even the size of a mustard seed, you move that mountain. The impossible can happen. Anything can happen. The invitation Jesus gives is not to believe harder and trust harder and try harder. The invitation is to move the direction of that trust from themselves because they had had success before. To move their, their trust from themselves to actually the person of Jesus. That's like monumental. That's significant, right? I, I start thinking about my own life, okay? So uh, if faith requires you to choose who you trust, uh, the number one person I trust in this life is yours truly. Anybody else relate to that? I don't know if this is just a David thing, if it's just how I'm wired, if it's a cultural thing. You know, everything that we have today is DIY, do it yourself. Doesn't matter if it's home projects or your vehicle breaks down or, or brokenness in a relationship, whatever. All, all of us have this like DIY bend that it's just like, I can figure that out. I can try that. I can, I can work out the solution. But, but maybe it's just a human thing. Maybe it's just humanity. We tend to trust ourselves. So let me tell you about the worst one. I debated so hard about not telling this story, but in the spirit of vulnerability, uh, if this is your first time at, at Fraulein, it might be your last time at Fraulein. So <laughs> thanks for joining. Uh, I, I had this knack, uh, especially years ago, 
for like self-diagnosing things that are wrong in my body. Does anybody else have something like that where you're just like, I'm broken, I'm gonna fix it because I know more than the doctors, right? That's kind of my default. So here, here's what I'll tell you. I'll give away the cookies at the beginning. Uh, I had a hernia. I found out I had a hernia and I had it fixed back in May. But three years ago, I didn't know that the hernia was causing trouble. So I had a lot of pain in my abdomen and it was bugging me and it would come and then go and come and go. And it was really weird. So I, I scheduled a doctor's appointment. I'd finally had enough and I walked in, but I, I had done the pre-research to help the doctor out. <laughs> I was trying to be efficient. So I walked in. And I'm not even kidding, this guy's my age. And so I'm looking at him, I can't tell you his name because he goes to church around here. So I, I'm talking to him and we have this, you know, like whatever, I, I think this is what's going on. And I started describing all of the symptoms that I've already self-diagnosed myself because I'm convinced I have a problem. Here's, here's the big problem, okay? I thought I had a prostate problem, okay? All of you are like, oh no. So what he does is he looks at me and he goes, well, there's only one way to confirm that. That wasn't on the sheet that I looked up online. <laughs> and so he goes, all right, let's go ahead and figure it out. Uh, here's what I'll tell you. I'll boil down the whole story. I was wrong. It was the worst doctor's appointment of my entire life. <laughs> and I have avoided him ever since. I have scheduled appointments with everyone else in that office except him. I never want to see him again. Spirit of vulnerability, right? Welcome to Frontline. You're like, what kind of church is this? Here, here's why I tell you this, okay? I tell you all of this. I do this all the time for significant stuff in my life. Not just medical. If there's brokenness uh, in relationships in my life, if there's struggles going on in my life, if, I'm, uh, if I have a financial difficulty, uh, bodily difficulty, I mean, it, do it doesn't matter what it is. Anything that's broken, not functioning well, not operating the way that it should, things that are wrong or, or unhealthy or dying in my life, I jump into, I'm going to fix it. I don't, want to, I don't want to yield that. I don't want to give that. I mean, the whole morning that we focused on today in worship was about what are the needs that we have and actually giving those needs to God. Here's what most of us do. Here's what I do. And I'm willing to bet, even though I don't know a lot of you, whether you're watching online or in the room, most of us do this. I have a need. I'm going to get my need. I'm, I'm going to meet it myself. I'm going to get it met somewhere. I'm going to do something. I'm going to self-medicate or I'm going to self-soothe or I'm going to self-whatever. I'm going to fix the problem that is in front of me. And the invitation that Jesus gives us is come to me with that. If you want to talk about faith, most of our faith is in ourselves. I can fix my broken marriage or I can fix the addiction. I can fix the sin problem. I can fix what's going on in my life. I can fix the impact of the storm. I can fix, I can fix, I can fix. And think about the, the dad that brought his son to Jesus. How many other avenues had he explored that ended up in a dead end until he found himself at the feet of Jesus saying, I can't fix. My faith is in you. I think it's in times of crisis we actually find out who our faith, our trust, is actually in. Hebrews 11 it says this, this is how it defines faith. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. But it's not meant to be obscure or ethereal or far off. So he, he says this also, the writer in Hebrews in verse six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, talking about God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What God is saying is, do you have faith in me or do you have faith in yourself? Because if you have faith in me, you're going to chase me. 
You're going to pursue me. You're going to long for me. You're going to offer it up in prayer. You're going to surround yourself with other people that say, are you, are you talking about it with God? Are you praying about it? Are you bringing him the need? Or are you just trying to fix it yourself and ask God to bless you along the way? The writer of Hebrews is saying faith is this invitation that, that we are given from God to come to God directly with everything. It's so counterintuitive, it's so different than the American mindset, which is independent, do it yourself, no need for anybody, don't depend on anybody, you can't depend on anybody, especially some God that you've never seen. The writer of Hebrews says faith is, the, is confidence. It's trust in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Well, what do we not see? Our Heavenly Father sitting on His throne. And yet we can see it, can't we? You can see God's sovereignty and how he's involved and how he's available for his children, for those who earnestly seek him. Where you put your faith is the most important decision you can make in your entire life. When push comes to shove, who's it in? It's not a what, it's a who. So if I, if I had to boil it down, I, I would say it like this, putting our faith in Jesus requires us to trust him more than ourselves. So if I had to ask you this question, I would ask you this question. What is God inviting you to trust him with instead of yourself right now? You know, this is a long week. Uh, just for me, my life, personally, it was a long week uh, for our community and the storm that rolls through. But sometimes it's a metaphor, isn't it? Uh, storms that roll through and damage that leaves. And I, I was looking at some pictures of the tornado and you could see the wake of destruction and where it was and where it went. And, and all of us, as we think about what do we need, all of us have something that we came in with today that we know we need deep down. Maybe you prayed for it. Maybe you asked the person next to you to pray for it earlier. All of us know the need that we have, but the question that we really have to answer is, are we willing to hand that need over to God and relinquish the outcome? Or is it too hard for us and we got to keep it ourselves and fix it ourselves. What, what is the thing that you came into today or came in with today that God is going, I would like to take that from you. I've been waiting for you to let go of that. He's not going to snatch it from you and rip it out of your grip. He's waiting going, what, what is it? What is it that you came in with carrying today? Maybe, maybe for some of you it's this, maybe your marriage is falling apart and you've tried every avenue You've tried counseling, you've tried working through it, you've tried repeating back, you've tried individual counseling and marriage counseling, you've involved other people. Maybe you're at the point where you go, I just don't know if this thing is going to last and, and we're stuck and we're at a loss. Maybe that's what you came in with today and Jesus is sitting here going, I would like to take that for you. Maybe some of you it's totally different. Maybe you absolutely hate your job. You feel like it's a dead end, it's not going anywhere, but you feel stuck. Maybe it's financially, or maybe it's relationally, or maybe you need it for X, Y, Z reason. Maybe it's the only thing you've ever done, and you are stuck. And you go, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I don't want to do this, and I'm stuck in my life. And Jesus is sitting here going, I would like to take that for you. For some of you, it might be this. Maybe you have a desire to have children, and you've had it for a long time, and for one reason or another, it just won't happen. 
Maybe it's a door that's closed with infertility, or it's a door that's closed in foster care, or it's a door that's closed with adoption. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's health-related, maybe it's personal-related or job-related or whatever, and you're just going, I don't understand. Because I'm looking around and, and everybody else seems like they can, and Jesus is sitting here saying, I would like to take that for you. I've got a bunch of these. I mean, maybe you're diagnosed with something that has no cure right now. Maybe you're fighting a custody battle for your kids. Maybe you're trying to get into grad school and kind of map out and plan your future and doors keep closing and closing. Maybe anxiety has taken over your mind or your relationship. Maybe there's conflict in your family that's so deep and it's wounding you so deeply, whether you're the cause of it or the recipient of it, and you're just kind of wondering, like, I can't fix this anymore. And Jesus is right there saying, can I please take that for you? What is it? What is God inviting you to trust him with instead of yourself? The invitation that Jesus gives to his disciples is to reallocate their faith, to change trusting in themselves and their own abilities, even if they had done it in the past. Jesus is inviting them, don't put your faith and your trust in you, Put your faith and your trust in me. Well, Jesus gives the same invitation to every single one of us today. If you already have a relationship with Jesus, if you've followed him, if, you, if you've declared out loud, right, if you've walked across the line of salvation with someone or, or if you've been baptized before, you have a relationship with Jesus, I want to go back to the first mustard seed illustration that Jesus uses. The question I have to ask you is, are you planted are you planted or are you simply a seed on top of a sidewalk all by yourself? One of the best ways to get planted as a seed to allow your faith to grow and to flourish and to be nourished and, and to actually experience the potential that it has to grow into this kingdom-wielding tree that Jesus describes is to actually be in a group with other people. It's to actually do life with other people, not by yourself, not closed off, not independent, but actually dependent on a group of people. I'm in a group. We're starting, I think it's our fifth year this coming year, and our group has pushed me and held me accountable and created an environment for me to grow, not as a pastor, not as your pastor, just as a disciple of Jesus. So the question I have for you is if you, if you feel stuck or if you feel like God's extending an invitation for you to trust in him. Are you doing it in community with other people or are you just trying to do it yourself? One of the easiest ways, right? Here's a little plug for you. Frontlinegr.com slash groups. Get connected. Don't keep doing life by yourself. Get connected and get planted in a group with other people so that the seed that God has sown inside of your heart can grow and flourish and mature. And you can actually at some point see the effect of what a faith and a hope and a relationship with Jesus actually looks like. But there's also another group of you that maybe you've never walked across that line of faith before. Maybe some of you in this room have never said, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. 
Sometimes I, if I think about the hurdles that people walk in with, I, it's, sometimes it's like, well, I don't know the whole Bible and I haven't read it yet and my life is a mess and I, I have to beat this sin problem first or I have to work through this anxiety issue or I have to, I have to understand the lingo and the language and the services and I, I need to understand everything first before I, before I take that next, step or, that next step or actually trust my life or my soul or, or my eternity to Jesus. And here, here's what I'd tell you. you. You do not have to figure out everything before you walk across that line. Let me make it so simple for you. Here, here's the invitation that Jesus makes every one of us. Jesus is who he says he is, and this is who he says he is. He says he's the son of God. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life that was blemish-free. He never sinned, and knowing us and loving us and knowing that sin and brokenness, both exterior and interior, right, the internal sin, anytime we've sinned or lied or cheated or, or looked up stuff that we shouldn't look up, whatever it is, that sin creates brokenness and division and separation between us and God. Jesus saw our brokenness, saw our separation, saw our need, and saw that we were unable to bridge that gap on our own. So when he came to this earth, he lived the perfect life that satisfied the requirement of a perfect God. And then he did this. He said, God, Father, I'm willing to trade places with them. I'm willing to go to the cross. I'm willing to die their death, what they deserve, separation from you. I'm willing to do that. And he was the only one that was able to do that because he was the son of God. And he did it for you. And he died on that cross. And three days later, he rose again and he defeated death once and for all. And what he says to his people and what he says to his followers is if you put your faith in me, if you put your trust in me, I am the only access that is between you and God. That is it. No work is required. It's just put your faith in me. If you want to do that today, Jesus gives you the opportunity to do that today. He's saying, trust me. I am who I say I am. Jesus is building a kingdom. Jesus can bring healing to your marriage. Jesus can bring healing or freedom from an addiction. Jesus can change your life and your workplace. He can set you free from anxiety and pain. Jesus can heal the deepest wounds that exist in your life. Jesus can shield you and protect you from the things that intend to kill and destroy you. Je Jesus is all-powerful. He's an all-powerful God that desperately desires to reside inside your own heart. And if you want to make a decision today that says, I want to actually trust Jesus with my life. I can't do it on my own. I need him. The invitation is there for you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close today. Uh, we're celebrating baptism tonight. And if you didn't see the email that went out, we had to change our location. We were supposed to be down the road at a park. It got closed due to E. coli and a variety of other things. So instead, we're going to host it here. So we're going to have dinner here tonight. Uh, we want to invite all of you to come, but I want you to, to take it one step further. Who, who in your life needs to hear the message of Jesus? Who extends an invitation to put our faith, our hope, our trust in him? Who do you need to invite tonight? You're going to hear some testimonies tonight. We're going to feed you dinner tonight. And then what we're going to do right here is we're going to celebrate baptism. Because baptism is an outward expression of what has happened inside of us by those who have said, I want to put my faith and my hope and my trust not in myself, 
but in the person of Jesus. So before we close, I want to give you an invitation. I'm going to have all of you stand up right now if you're in the room. Let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to get ready to worship. Our prayer team is going to come forward. They're going to be on both sides of the stage. And after I pray, if you've decided that today is the day you need to give your life to Jesus or you need to recommit your life to Jesus or if today's the day that you're going, I'm, I am getting baptized. Maybe you're signed up already. Maybe you're not signed up yet. It doesn't matter. Come forward. Come connect with one of our staff or our prayer team and tell them where you're at. Let them pray with you. Let them be with you in this moment. Let them walk with you across that line, the significant decision line of where you put your faith and your hope and your trust in the person of Jesus. So I wanna, I wanna do that together. We'll close with this verse and then I'll pray. It's Hebrews 12, one to three. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's the Jesus we're going to pray to right now. So would you pray with me? Jesus, we just come before you right now and we just want to make a statement. Jesus, if anybody to ourselves, but maybe it's to our families or our spouses, our children, our grandparents, maybe it's our neighborhoods or our, our coworkers, whatever it is, God, we, we want to make a statement that our faith, our hope, our trust is in you, Jesus. And it's not in ourselves. God, we know we can't fix ourselves before we come into your presence. We know that just like a seed, what you do inside of us, it, it can rival any sidewalk, any barrier, anything that would try to stand in the way of the expansion of your kingdom. Jesus, I just pray right now for this room, for anybody in here that hasn't yet put their faith in you. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to them right now, that they would hear your words saying, I am real, I'm alive. I am who I say I am. I keep my promises. I love you and I forgive you. And I extend an invitation, not just for eternity, but also right now to spend forever with you, Jesus, in relationship. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, come into this room, come into this space. Uh, I pray that you would break off chains right now, things that have held people back, anxieties or fears or addictions or sin patterns, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would come in right now, break these chains so that you would see a people that are hungry for you, that desperately desire to put their trust in you. And we do it, Lord, because it's what you've invited us to. So we love you. We praise you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said together. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.